Hey everybody, this is Andy, aka Love Retro BTW, across Twitter, Instagram, and Twitch. I do a podcast every Saturday called Cafe BTW, a morning gaming podcast, a retrospective look at the wonderful world of retro gaming, from interviews to guests. Join us every Saturday, like a Saturday morning cartoon, starting at 8 a.m., 11 a.m. Eastern. Also, if you're on Twitter, Please join the brand new retro gaming community, a place to share, connect, and show your love for the retro gaming community. All the links are down below. And remember, enjoy the Gamers Week podcast. This time on Gamers Week podcast. But I would pay to see that. I would pay to see a geriatric Miyamoto fight fan yes. <laughs> to find out if <laughs> F-Zero should be a gamer. Can that be on pay-per-view? You guys, oh, guys want to have a watch party? Is that how all of our decisions should be chosen in the, in the future? Yes, absolutely. A new definition of the console wars. They will be literal wars. In this corner is Phil Spencer. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's Xbox boss Phil Spencer. Right. Oh, Drink. sorry. Drink. 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 <laughs> <laughs> On my uh, on my twenty first birthday, my brother bought me a jar, mason jar, of corn whiskey, which is clear, by the way. How did that go? It is straight up gasoline, right? So right first sip. But the thing is, it was in a jar, so a little bit spilled around the outside. So I put it back down on my like end table, and the next mm-hmm. day it had like removed the varnish. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "You sure this isn't paint thinner?" Like. <laughs> <laughs> That's the makes you go blind type when you drink. Right. <laughs> and it was like a joke. Like you would you would have people over and be like, oh, you got to try this. It's really good. And then just watch their face. Who put it up to their mouth and got like the napalm draft <laughs> of alcohol coming off of it? Still decided to try it and trust you. Yeah. Well, they you wait until they've had at least a few drinks beforehand. You know, that's not like a, hey, you just came over. I want you to try this type of thing. You gotta dull the senses a little bit. <laughs> yeah, and once it, once it's once it's handed to you and you put it up to your lips, there you can't back out. No way. Oh, you can always back out with something's up to your lips. <laughs> <laughs> if we're good, all good, all clear. All right. Welcome to Gamers Week Podcast. Like the name says, we analyze the best, worst, and weirdest headlines of the past week in the video game industry. This is episode 80, and today is Wednesday, July 5th, 2023. Thanks so much for tuning in, everyone. My name is Blue Williams, and I'll be your host for this evening, but I am not alone. I do have my two fine co-hosts with me. My first co-host has got the red, white, and blue running through his veins. He was born and raised in the U.S. of A. He's got to be inspected. He's grade A. Oh, yeah. He's American-made. <laughs> Everyone say hello to Ryan Payne, a.k.a. Retro Gay Bruce. Born in the USA! <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, this is that whole Kogan song. You don't recognize it? He's a man! 
I do. I do. Oh, I just okay. didn't know how to like respond <laughs> with the Hulk Hogan. <laughs> I tore off my shirt if that makes you feel any better. <laughs> totally, totally. Uh, Pixar didn't happen. <laughs> no? Okay. All right. <laughs> bang, bang, baby. Like the 4th of July, my next co-host is like a lightning strike in the midnight sky. He don't give a damn about the summertime blues. All he needs is red, white, and you. Please say hello to the one and only Donnie G. That's all I need is red, white, and you. You know who you are. You. <laughs> it's me. It's me. He's talking to me. <laughs> what song was that from? I, 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 I think it's called Just Red, White, and You. All I need is red, white, and you. Red, white, and you. Okay. I'll have yeah. to give it a listen. I don't remember. No. <laughs> don't. <laughs> you don't, don't have to. <laughs> <laughs> Just to give a little bit of context to these introductions, yesterday, of course, was Independence Day here in America, and Mr. Blue and I went to a, a breakfast cafe for lunch, and they had the cheesiest patriotic playlist going <laughs> it seemed like every other bite i was stopping to just shake my head and go oh the <laughs> lyrics of these songs are so bad they are so bad that's how you know it's a good time is is that how that that's exactly how you know okay well now i know <laughs> <laughs> knowing is half the battle all right, with that, let's get the show started with our reviews, reactions, and requests. Nerdy Neo says, thanks for mentioning me so I could discover your podcast. Just listen for the first time, and you got a new listener out of me. Awesome. One of us. One of <laughs> us. You made it, buddy. <laughs> Holy Headshot says, holy crap, Riders View. You seriously brought it for this week's poll. Hats off and well done. That was amazing. Uh -huh. Thank you. Absolutely. Uh -huh. I'm glad you liked it. Uh -huh. I kind of don't know where to go from there. <laughs> <laughs> Just stop. Just stop. Don't do any more. Let us have the light. <laughs> and Dial Dwyer says, you know you're old when every answer for your favorite co-op game besides TMNT is from prior to the last two decades. The Contra series, Smash TV, Sonic Blast, Man 2, and Sunset Riders are a few of mine. He's not wrong. Oh, man. Sunset Riders in the arcade. Oh, chef's kiss. And now it's time for the Admittedly I didn't put anything together. So That's it. <laughs> but you know Crunchy did send me this. <laughs> we can't bash heads like we used to, but we have our ways. One trick is to ask poll questions that don't go anywhere. Like the time I caught the poll train over to Gamers Week, Bill. I needed a new question for the poll. So I decided to go to very important Poleville, which is what they called Gamers Weekville in those days. So I tied a dongle to my belt, which was a style at the time. <laughs> now to take the poll train costs a vote. And in those days, votes had pictures of panty packs on them. Give me five pennies for an important poll, you'd say. And now where were we? Oh, yeah. The important thing was that I had a dongle on my belt, which was the style at the time. They didn't have white dongles because of the console war. The only thing you could get was those big neon pink ones. <laughs> Oh, 
Good thing Crunch is around to save your ass. Right? That was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> what you don't realize is that Crunchy and I have been working on this for a couple of days. And I, I've been trying to figure out how to do Grandpa's voice. I couldn't do it myself. It was really, really awful. So I reached out to Crunchy because he's the one person I know is like basically Mel Blank, the man of a thousand voices. And, uh, and I was like, do you, if I sent you a script, do you think you could record it? And he's like, yeah, let's go for it. So. <laughs> Could you drop everything you're doing and record it right now? <laughs> right now? So this was ready on Monday. I was just messing with you. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> you're so full. Yeah. You son. No, you weren't. <laughs> Insert Ron Burgundy meme here. I don't believe you. I'm telling you. <laughs> right, yeah. I could send you the, the, the chat logs. <laughs> oh, he's got receipts. This is very he's got important. receipts. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So every Monday on Twitter, we post our VIP or very important poll. If you'd like to participate, follow us on Twitter at GamersWeekPC. Question for this week is, in your opinion, what universally disliked game isn't really that bad? Coming in third place was Bubsy with 12.3% of the vote. Second place was Chrono Cross with 28% of the vote. And taking this one this week was Zelda 2 with 48.6% of the vote. Now, 11.2% of you said others. So let's take a look at some of the comments from the poll. First up is from Sabine Figaro, which says, Dungeon Siege 3, I will die on that hill of my love for action RPGs in the Snowblind engine style. Like Baldur's Gate, Dark Alliance, DS3 is near universally hated, but I loved each and every second, even though it was radically different to the two that preceded it. Next up is Retro Brooks, said Duke Nukem Forever, definitely. It was never going to live up to the hype of the long development time, but it's fun first-person shooter with some good ideas. It shouldn't have killed the franchise. Gary the Gary said Alter Beast on Mega Drive. It's a good port of a shallow arcade game, but a decent de- tech demo slash launch game with the Mega Drive was released. And as a B-movie brawler, it's fun for 20 minutes or so. <laughs> <laughs> Next up from Base Viking 42 said, I picked Zelda 2 off this list, but agree with all. I also stand up with the defense of Dark Souls 2. Another game that I love that gets a bit of flack is The Addams Family. It's one of my go-to Super Nintendo games, and it's always fun to play. I don't get to hate for it. I thought he was referring to Fester's Quest at yeah. first. <laughs> <laughs> like, really? <laughs> There's going to be some Fester Quest stands out there. Don't worry. <laughs> and last up is space underscore underscore kook that says the entire Virtual Boy library. Ooh, I don't know. So there are some Virtual Boy games that are, that are out oh, there. Oh, there, there are some. You're right. There are some. But the <laughs> yeah. entire library? <laughs> That's a hard He's got a point. He's got a point. <laughs> All right. So take a look at this week's poll. Donnie, what'd you go with? The ones on this list that I did pick was Zelda 2. Now, back in the day, whenever Zelda 2 first came out, I was kind of pissed off. I was like, where are they going? This feels like a platformer. Why are they trying to turn everything into a platformer? Come on, Nintendo. You're better than that. But as I got older, I started to like it. I was like, wait, you know, this is actually... And then I go back to thinking about how the the, the Zelda franchise has kind of changed it up every single time. They don't seem to keep the same design uh, or overall mechanics um, from game to game uh, with the, with the exception of uh, tears of the kingdom and breath of the wild, but I'll stop ranting and I'll just say Zelda two felt like it's not a bad game that people think it is. 
And I would agree. I think once you get to understand how to play the game and that you recognize that there's going to be a huge, huge jump in difficulty with Death Mountain, once you get through that, it's a perfectly perfect game. <laughs> what? I would, I would call it a perfect game, but I would say it's it's a great game. Agree to disagree. Okay, cool. Blue. <laughs> what about you? Gotta get the last word in. <laughs> Deadly Creatures on the Wii from 2009. Ah. This game is terrible, but it is bonkers crazy. You play as a tarantula and as a scorpion in the desert, and you go around doing tarantula and scorpion things. You're fighting rattlesnakes and a gila monster. Those are kind of the reoccurring bosses of the game. And in the background, there's Billy Bob Thornton and Dennis Hopper searching for buried (laughs) treasure in the desert. And then the final boss fight is, as the scorpion, you have to climb up Dennis Hopper's jeans and sting him in the crotch three times. (laughs) What the hell? (laughs) And each time he like kicks you out and he's trying to shoot you on the floor with a shotgun, but he just kind of walks it off getting stung in the crotch by a scorpion. (laughs) Like you do. Yeah, as one does. Walk it off. <laughs> yeah, just walk it off. And then after you sting him in the crotch three times, you escape from the gas station as the scorpion, and he ends up shooting a gas tank and like blows himself up. And that's the end of the game. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so weird and so terrible. And yet there's, I, to my knowledge, nothing else out there quite like it. So that's the one that I'm going to say. It's a terrible game, but it's entertaining. I have never heard of this game. I am now going to have to go watch it on YouTube to see if it lives up to the hype. (laughs) And when you're playing as a scorpion, like you can do these kind of karate moves with your front two claws. Because that's how scorpions really fight. (laughs) (laughs) He's got like this uppercut combo kind of thing. Jesus. Uh, So Ryan, what was your choice? So I think there's a lot of games that that would qualify for this. I think uh, Zelda 2, of course, being one of those that's, I think, widely panned. I saw a lot of people go, people don't like Chrono Cross? Oh, a lot of people don't like Chrono Cross. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm surprised that people didn't know that it's kind of like universally panned for the most part. But the interesting part is that a lot of them, I think the universally disliked category is a result of just this this one nerd that you guys might have heard of before. So he was E.T. Mentioned is a one of those. Times. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> E.T. Karate Kid is not that bad. <laughs> uh, and like every LJN game, which comes to, to me is that there is one LJN game that sticks out from the rest that I actually enjoy for a, a bunch of different reasons. And that's Friday the 13th. So that's not a bad game. It's a fine game. It's fun. Mm-hmm. All you got to really do is just understand kind of the directions you're going. Once you get that down, it's super, super simple. And the only thing that I, I think I find cheesy about the game is that Jason is in a big purple jumpsuit. <laughs> <laughs> Outside of that, great game. Play it typically during Halloween anyway. So that's my choice for this week. And just so our readers are aware, the term readers? LJ, or sorry, <laughs> listeners. That's <laughs> <laughs> so our readers are aware. <laughs> uh, just so our listeners are aware, the terms LJN and fun aren't synonymous. No, not typically. I didn't see anybody in the comments going, you know, I can't believe people don't like LJN games. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's move on to our patron shout outs. 
We couldn't do what we do without the help of our gorgeous patrons. Here are the generous folks supporting Gamers Week on Patreon. DVPGH, the Redox PDX family, including Shannon and Luke, Shalazeel, Zach Huge Thanks, number one Blue Sick Boys fan, Sassy Sony, Evo Lust, Princess Kitty Mew Mew, Rai Rai Secret Best Friend, Mega Retro Man, Gamatroid, Michael Lakite, Emo Esque, Bill Tucker, the real Retro Game Brews, Fruitcake's number one Stan, Ducks with Thick Thighs, Zach Modest Thanks, I don't need <laughs> digital friends, I got digital family. <laughs> <laughs> You gotta say it like Vin Diesel, though. I don't need digital friends. I got digital family. (laughs) Open the podcast doors, Hal. Wizard of Zardoz, Bops and Dugnut, Retro Blast Pat, Great Cyaman 81, BNT Zilla Guy, Geek With That, Johnny Boombots, Crunchy Kong, Sheriff Snacks, Frank Grande, Love Retro BTW, Steven Sand, Ramboski, Terry Kinnair, Ducks in Disguise, Jim and Kali, Games with Coffee, Hybrid Divide, and You Fall Before Me. If you like what you hear today, and we really hope you do, please consider joining us on Patreon. Your support helps cover the cost of producing the show, as well as other cool stuff we'll be doing like prizes and giveaways. You'll also gain access to our weekly patron-only bonus cast called Gamers Week Uncut, Patrons with Benefits. Visit patreon.com slash gamersweek, or follow the link in the show notes to learn more. All right, let's move on to our headline segment, which is proudly sponsored by the Retro Game Podcast. It's a fantastic, family-friendly retro gaming podcast. In each episode, Robin Hugh pick two games to play and discuss, as well as news, interviews, and other topics. Right now, they want to know, if you woke up and it was the summer of 1993, what are you playing in the arcade? Send your answers to email at retrogameclub.net or follow the link in the show notes. Ooh, that's a tough one. For me, it's got to be Mortal Kombat 2. Yeah, I was going to say either Street Fighter 2 or Mortal Kombat 2, because those were the games my parents were never, ever, 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 ever going to buy for me. I'm going to go with NBA Jam. Okay. 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 From downtown, ugly shot. I heard that a lot. You can't buy a bucket. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So first up from Eurogamer, Sony blocked Roblox on PlayStation due to concerns it could potentially exploit young audience. Usually popular game platform Roblox was blocked from launching on PlayStation consoles due to its concerns by Sony. Specifically, Sony was worried about the game's popularity among children causing problems for PlayStation. The details come from a 2022 document uncovered as part of the FTC versus Microsoft trial, in which PlayStation boss Jim Ryan discusses Roblox's absence from Sony consoles and admits his company's stance from the game is now shifting. Historically, because of the large number of children that play on PlayStation, we have been very careful with regards to opening them up to anything that could potentially exploit them, Ryan comments. Over the last couple of years, however, we have reviewed these policies and relaxed a little on this, he continued. We have been conservative for too long, and now we are currently engaging with people at Roblox. We hope that this situation will change. Roblox has been dogged by examples of its moderation failing to pick up instances of harmful content, suggesting its experiences have offered unsafe environments for children. Roblox is currently available on PC and Xbox consoles, iPhone, and Android devices, and it's doing just fine without PlayStation. Early in the year, Epic Games boss Tim Sweeney stated that Roblox had 250 million monthly active users compared to Minecraft's 100 million and Fortnite's 70 million. That said, launching on PlayStation would surely help Roblox hold on to its aging audience. Just last week, Roblox announced 
a new 17 plus category of games to cater for older players. 38% of Roblox's most active players were 17 and older in 2022, making it the game's fastest growing age group. And of course, as Roblox continues to rake in money, launching a PlayStation will only allow Sony to take its typical cut of consumer spending made through its consoles. Uh, historically, because of the large number of children that play on PlayStation, we have been very careful with regards to opening them up to anything that could potentially exploit them. Over the last couple of years, however, we have reviewed these policies and relaxed a little on this. We don't mind if they get exploited a little. That's okay. <laughs> Just a tad. They had it coming. <laughs> We've been way too conservative for too long on this. Just, you can exploit them a little. Will somebody think of the children? Well, not Jim Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> like it says at the, at the end, as Roblox continues to rake in money, launching on PlayStation will also allow Sony to take its typical cut of consumer spending made through its consoles. So we're okay with exploiting the children a little bit because it's going to make us a lot of money. <laughs> Going with uh, loot boxes and every other company that they work yep. with, this this uh, this sticks up. <laughs> yep. Now, Roblox has gotten some flack in the past for its, um, I guess, policing of child predators on Roblox. And I can't tell you how many articles. It's definitely been about 10 articles that I've heard of somebody enticing a child over Roblox. So much so that when my wife and I heard that our son wanted to play Roblox, we were like, no, there's no chance in hell. Just because we, we knew that they weren't really ready to be uh, utilizing online services for games at the time. And we didn't feel comfortable with them getting on and playing Roblox for that matter. My only experience with Roblox is the fact that my nieces and nephews play it incessantly all the time. They've got it up. They're playing it. Their, their faces are stuck in it. So whatever it is that they're doing on Roblox, because I've never played it myself, <laughs> they love it. But to your point, one of the things that their parents have done is limited the amount of purchasing power they have, for one. And at first, I think they were monitoring them, but now that hasn't been the case. But I think you do run a risk as, an organ as a company when you have players of that age doing anything, realistically. Of course. And so I get why Sony's original stance was that way. They wanted to avoid controversy. They wanted to avoid being in the news for another bad thing, you know? <laughs> well, I'm on PCMag.com and they wrote an article in April of this year. Kids are obsessed with Roblox, but is it safe? The risks of Roblox vary in intensity and frequency, according to Juliana Minor, author of Raising a Screen Smart Kid. For example, it is likely children will see negative comments or have some directed at them, but it is unlikely they will run into a predator who is using the game for nefarious purposes. The things that really scare us as parents, they are really rare. While the worst outcomes may be rare, they do happen, and parents need to be aware of them to come up with appropriate strategies for keeping their kids safe. I don't know a lot of parents who are willing to gamble, though. <laughs> Be like, well, right. no. one out of every hundred kids. <laughs> right. It's like, um, did your city put out water safety reports of like the, the city drinking water? You know, a certain allowable parts per million of things that you would otherwise consider poisonous. Right. Uh, living on the East Coast, I do not experience that. I guess it's like how many um, how many predators per million are acceptable, you know, in this city <laughs> drinking water of, of, of Roblox to where you can deem it safe enough for the public. That's a good question. I think it's revealing that even though bad things happening on Roblox are apparently very rare, it was enough that 
PlayStation had concerns. They had concerns all this time, despite it being perhaps the most popular game on the planet. 250 million monthly active users. That's crazy. So right. it's, I think it says a lot that they were willing to keep that off of PlayStation. At one time, you were concerned. And now for some right. reason, you're not concerned. So the question is, what has changed? What has changed from what Roblox was doing before to what they're doing now or what they were not doing before to what they're doing now? It was part of me that was wondering, was like there this huge boom of users that happened between 2022 and 2023? So PlayStation saw dollar signs, but... You know that's uh, why they're changing their mind. It has nothing well, to do with the course. safety of Roblox. <laughs> I'm looking it up, the statistics, and it's actually just pretty steady. After May 2021, it's about 200 million a month and up. So, 200 million a month? Yes. Active Jeez. users. Oh, I thought it was dollars. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> probably more than that, to be well, honest yeah, with you. If you could get $1 out of every monthly active user, that'd yeah. be 250 million million a month. Can I just get $10,000? That's. <laughs> <laughs> Ask a 10-year-old. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next up from GI.biz, Apple asks U.S. Supreme Court to overthrow ruling in epic antitrust case. Apple continues to fight against the ruling made two years ago in its antitrust legal battle with Fortnite maker Epic Games. A court filing released yesterday shows the iPhone maker is appealing to the U.S. Supreme Court, requesting that it overrule the original decision that Apple should cease its anti-steering practices, preventing developers from directing users to other channels for purchases. Epic sued Apple for anti-competitive practices in 2020 after the latter pulled Fortnite from its app store over a new update that enabled players to buy V-Bucks directly from the developer, avoiding the 30% cut Apple takes on all transactions. In 2021, the U.S. District Court of California rejected nine of Epic's 10 claims, but ruled in the Fortnite firm's favor when it came to anti-steering practices, ordering Apple to enable developers to offer alternative payment options. Both Apple and Epic appealed the decision to the U.S. Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals, which supported the ruling. The two companies then appealed against this as well, but Reuters reported that the Ninth Circuit rejected these last Friday, June 30th. Now turning to the U.S. Supreme Court, Apple argued the court was wrong to apply a universal injunction that Epic is an individual, not representative plaintiff, and that the Ninth Circuit should not have issued a nationwide injunction given the case's basis in California. It added that the ruling raises far-reaching and important questions about the limits of a federal court's authority to issue injunctions that apply to companies not directly involved in the case. Epic Games is also able to appeal to the Supreme Court if it chooses to do so. And I don't believe I understood a single solitary <laughs> sentence. Oh, okay, here, here's, like, the, here's the TLDR of this article. These companies are both so big and so used to getting their own way that neither of them are happy with the way this case has gone down. Thank you. Even though nine out of 10 of the items in the suit went in Apple's favor and one went in Epic's favor, but it was the most important one. In theory, they both should have walked away relatively happy, but neither of them are happy because they both wanted it to go completely their way and have the other company be just shunned by the courts. So then they're both going to continue to appeal this until what I hope happens is that the the final ruling is even worse for both of them somehow. <laughs> <laughs> but it's mine. This is this is like two Veruca salts battling it over something stupid. Oh, that's a great analogy, two Veruca salts. <laughs> <laughs> right. They both step on the scale and go down. <laughs> um, don't care how, I want it now. This kind of stuff makes my head hurt. 
It's two ridiculously rich companies. Do you think this bickering is good for either of their public relations images? I don't think people give a damn. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. You know? I mean, if you really, there's there's two big companies bickering back and forth. The the average consumer and I'm the average consumer. I don't care. I, I just see them as as dumbasses. I, I don't play Fortnite, at least not anymore. I used to, and I definitely don't play it on mobile. I wouldn't play it on an iPhone or an iPad. So this doesn't pertain to me. Maybe if if both of these companies were a little less greedy, they could have come to some sort of negotiation. But absolutely, like I said before, they, they're both so used to getting completely their own way that that, that was never going to happen. That was kind of my point about asking the, for the PR thing. Is, is it worth bickering over this in front of really a public audience where they could have just worked this out in behind the scenes and no one was the wiser? And think of how much they would have saved. That's what I mean, like legal fees and, right. and all that stuff that I'm sure the lawyers are loving it, though. <laughs> oh, oh, to be an Apple lawyer. <laughs> Just bathe in gold flakes. <laughs> this is so nice for my skin. I like to sprinkle diamonds on my, my dinosaur egg. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just bathe in champagne and gold flakes. Well, the question arises, uh, what's the cut that PlayStation and Xbox get? Okay, so here's an article from Games Hub from May 2022. The industry standard platform fee hovers around 30%, which includes the likes of Steam, PlayStation, and Nintendo. In an attempt to disrupt the market, the Epic Game Store only takes 12%. Interesting. So they screw themselves and they're mad about it. (laughs) (laughs) From my non-industry opinion, 30% does seem like a lot but if it's standard, then Epic throwing a fit over it seems 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 like a lot of drama. A drama that we don't need. Do we need drama? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's good for the show. It, it is. is. Yeah, well, that's good. <laughs> Keep fighting, assholes. <laughs> <laughs> well said. Well said. Yep. Yeah, I have nothing more to add. Moving on. <laughs> All right, next up from Nintendo Life, F-Zero hasn't been revived because Mario Kart is Nintendo's most popular racing game. Nintendo has been on a roll with the revival of its older games, with Metroid Prime, Pikmin 1 and 2, and Super Mario RPG all debuting back on the Switch. However, one franchise that still hasn't made a major comeback is the futuristic racing series F-Zero. So what exactly is going on with it? The now-retired 30-year Nintendo veteran Takaya Imamura, who also happened to be the artist and designer behind characters such as Captain Falcon and Fox McCloud, has shared his own thoughts about Nintendo's possible reasoning during an interview with BGC. He says it's because Mario Kart is Nintendo's main focus, being the company's most popular racing game. This translates to sales as well, with the latest entry, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, on Switch shifting more than 53 million units to date. I think it's because Mario Kart is Nintendo's most popular racing game, and a new F-Zero would cost a fortune. My impression is that Miyamoto-san is very affectionate about Star Fox, said Imamura. He further notes how Miyamoto is always thinking about Nintendo as a whole, so this could be another reason why he probably doesn't get much time to think about F-Zero specifically. He also believes it comes down to careful consideration when reviving IPs, and in the case of Metroid's resurgence, the Western studios involved are a result of careful selection. Although there 
there are no new F-Zero games to experience on the Switch, fans of Captain Falcon can still get their fix via the Switch Online Plus Expansion Pack subscription with titles like F-Zero X for the Nintendo 64. The series also has special tracks and even a vehicle in Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. Imamura has previously mentioned how F-Zero would require a grand idea in order to be revived for a new generation. People want a new F-Zero when they haven't come out with a new Mario Kart. <laughs> <laughs> right? Stay in your lane. Know your place. Right. You're putting right. the cart before the horse here. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, tis. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Is this a case of the haters of Mario Kart just wanting something different? Not because, I mean, F-Zero was, F-Zero was a great game. It hands down was a great game. So is Mario Kart. So was the original Mario Kart on Super Nintendo. But I don't know if F-Zero has that sort of that pow, bam, zing that, that <laughs> Mario Kart 8 Deluxe has, or even just like the, the previous iterations of Mario Kart. One of the problems you run into, I think, too, with this in particular is that there hasn't been an F-Zero game in a very long time. So your market is really limited to people who played it on the Super Nintendo. Absolutely. As opposed to the Mario Kart, where there's been an iteration for every single console that's come out. Right. And Metroid even had stuff on the Wii, you know, and so it was only one console away from having, uh, even though most people want to forget Metroid on the Wii, uh, at least it was still there, (laughs) right? (laughs) So with F-Zero, I think the last one is what, GameCube? I think you're right, yes. F-Zero GX, I want to say? Yes. And let's be honest, no one really bought a GameCube for the most part. I did. Ah, he's, no. That's why you're a nobody. <laughs> ah, he said it. He said it. He said it. <laughs> this. Ouch. So look at Nintendo's marketplace. So yes, it does definitely cartel to the older generation. They do a really great job with that. But they're just doing the Nintendo Switch online with plus expansion pack if you, if you want to go back. So they're they're feeding that that itch that a lot of players have for for playing those games. And a new one, I don't know if the younger generation would get it, per se. And especially considering kart racers are now the more popular on Nintendo anyway. Not only can you race, but you can attack others. F-Zero never really had that. So it was just a straight up racer. So I don't know if it's something that younger Nintendo fans would be interested in. Well, and let's be honest, as great as F-Zero was, it's pretty one note compared to... Mm -hmm. Mario Kart, because in in Mario Kart, you can bring in all kinds of theme tracks and all kinds of different racers. And it's a way to market many of Nintendo's IP by bringing in characters. Whereas, what are you going to do with a new F-Zero? It's just going to be futuristic racing the whole time. It's not (laughs) the kind of kart racer that is going to last you for nine years like Mario Kart 8 has. F-Zero Modern Warfare. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> the race in tanks <laughs> this is slow as <laughs> yes but it has guns <laughs> I'd say and really the younger generation's only exposure to F-Zero is probably from Smash which is Colonel Falcon Yeah, and it's not like everyone's going oh yeah I want to check out Colonel Falcon's game <laughs> it's right. just like oh do I like the moveset for, for Colonel Falcon in <laughs> right. Smash? It's like when they put uh, Ness on Smash. Right. Like, did right. anybody know what game Ness was from? Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> I like his bat. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, the kid with the bat. <laughs> Actually, I, to be honest with you, I don't think anybody knew back when it came out on Super Nintendo as well. <laughs> <laughs> so the game's so damn expensive. <laughs> 
Yeah, in the end, Nintendo is just going to be like every other company and they're going to chase the money. Right. And if there was money in F-Zero, I'm pretty sure they would have found a way to exploit it by now. So what you're trying to tell me is that even though I bought a bunch of shares in Nintendo, my suggestion (laughs) to have them make a new F-Zero game doesn't really matter? (laughs) Perhaps if you ranted longer. Ah, that's the key. Well, and you got to go up against the board. You got to you got to go to that meeting and you got to stand up there proudly and voice your opinion about F zero, mm-hmm. and challenge them to a karate fight. Of course, <laughs> <laughs> and whoever wins gets to pick the new game. <laughs> Miyamoto san, I choose you. <laughs> <laughs> He's probably not even at the meeting. Right, probably. <laughs> But I would pay to see that. I would pay to see a geriatric Miyamoto fight fan yes. <laughs> to find out Jeez. if F-Zero should be a gamer. Can that be on pay-per-view? You guys, oh, you guys want to have a watch party? Is that how all of our decisions should be chosen in the, in the future? Yes, absolutely. A new definition of the console wars. They will be literal wars. In this corner is Phil Spencer. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's Xbox boss Phil Spencer. Right. Oh, Drink. sorry. Drink. 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 <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on to our top three, well, our top two new releases. <laughs> we give you these 15, <laughs> 10, <laughs> 10 commandments. I was going with, uh, here's our top three, two, sir. Two. <laughs> 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 All right, first up is Guilt. PlayStation 5, Xbox Series X and S, PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and PC. Guilt is a narrative adventure game with puzzles, stealth, and action set in a fictional old mining town. For Sally, life is not easy and has become even worse since her little cousin Emily disappeared. After being chased by a group of bullies, Sally is dragged into a twisted version of her own town where her fears and worst memories are presented in a very real way. Hide from terrible creatures and confront them as you find your way through the challenges of this wicked world and work to unravel the mystery of Emily's disappearance. Next up is Legend of Heroes Trails into Revere. Reverie. Oh, Reverie, duh. (laughs) Legend of Heroes Trails into Reverie. Mother... <laughs> it's trails into, into mother. mother- <laughs> <laughs> it's a new it. game by Samuel L. Jackson. <laughs> tired of these mother <laughs> trails. <laughs> All right, I'm not even going to say it. You can keep that in the episode. <laughs> PlayStation 5, PS4, Switch, and PC. Intertwining fates of three figures in Zamuria will be decided in this climatic chapter of Legend of Heroes series. Follow the footsteps of a war hero, Reen Schweizer, the liberator Lloyd Bannings, and the masked Enigma C, and switch between each of their paths freely with the Trails to Walk system. Dive into refined tactical combat with new features such as United Front and discover new allies and challenges within the halls of the true reverie. River, river, corridor. <laughs> river. So take a look at these awesome two games. Blue, what are you going with? Well, Legend of Heroes Trails into Reverie looks like one of those kind of typical anime RPG type games. I would give it a try, but I don't even understand this little blurb without having played the first two games, let alone (laughs) be able to play this game. So I think I would have to start at the beginning of the series first. 
And that leads me over to Guilt, which this was the game that was, I think, the only true Stadia exclusive. And I'm glad to see that it's getting off of that ship. that horrible sinking like careening to the bottom of the ocean ship so this looks like if silent hill was made for kids kind of like it's the same (laughs) sesame street silent hill (laughs) yeah sesame street silent hill it's the same kind of concept it's like this alternate version of the town where nothing's right it's full of monsters it's dark it's scary but it's you know like pg scary I have wanted to try this for a while, and uh, I will definitely be picking this up at some point. Please, somebody make a Muppet a Pyramid Head. Please. <laughs> Muppet, please. Oh, maybe that exists uh, already. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Muppet Pyramid Head who comes in and just rips off the Muppet skin of somebody on Sesame Street. Just throws it. <laughs> it exists. You're telling it me it exists. exists. It does exist. Oh, oh my God. God. Put it in the chat, please. Okay, hang on. It do exist. <laughs> it's is that it's animal with a pyramid on his head. <laughs> yep. yep. <laughs> uh, somebody must have put that into AI. Yeah, that, that's yes. definitely AI art. But I I appreciate the forethought to ask such a question. This is the true use of AI. This is what AI should be used for. They can take over everything. We don't care as long as we get funny images. <laughs> <laughs> so, Donnie, what about you? Um. I'm halfway inclined to go with neither. I looked at Legend of Heroes, you know, definitely not interested. I, I haven't been interested in RPGs in quite some time. Um, no. <laughs> guilt, <laughs> I guess it kind of looks okay. Um, but like Blue said, it's it's Silent Hill for kids. And, you know, it, because it has horror elements in it, I might be willing to take a look at it. I watched the, the trailer for it and it looks okay. I might give this one a chance, but right now I'm saying that probably neither of these. All right. What about you, Ryan? Uh, So Legends games, or or rather Trails games, I have wanted to get into for a while, but I just haven't for one reason or another. I think it's, it's partly because anime RPGs have never really been my thing. But considering, to your point, it sounds like if you don't know what the hell's going on by this description, <laughs> you're going to walk into this and be like, I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So there's definitely that barrier, right? So I would I would probably have to check out a bunch of other Trails games uh, before touching this one. But with that said, Guilt, I, I agree that it looks like Silent Hill for kids. I also think it's like a mixture of it in there as well, right? Yeah. Uh, okay. Where everything turns into to things that are weird, which... I don't know. I might try that out, but it's not jumping out at me as something I absolutely need to play. If I had to pick one, though, Guilt, I think is probably the one I'd go with at this point. Mostly because I'll float, too. (laughs) (laughs) They all float. All right, let's move on to our main topic for the night. From GI.biz, redaction errors reveal the economics of exclusivity. We always knew that the court hearings around the FTC's challenge to Microsoft's acquisition of Activision Blizzard would reveal some interesting details, but we got rather more details than anyone had bargained for this week, courtesy of someone with a Sharpie marker who is presumably having a very, very bad few days at work. (laughs) Documents from both Sony and Microsoft, which were meant to have key details censored before being entered into the court records, were clumsily redacted with a marker, leaving the figures quite legible on the court scanned versions of the documents. 
Apparently, they didn't have Blue doing the redacting. Redacted. It's not clear who was actually at fault here. There was some guffawing in Sony's direction when its badly redacted documents emerged. But then Microsoft was hit by the same problem, raising the possibility that both companies' details had leaked due to errors by a third party. Either way, the insight we got into various parts of the two companies' businesses were very interesting. From the size of Microsoft's Azure cloud business to the fact that Sony estimates that there are around a million PlayStation owners who never play any game except Call of Duty. Oof. Donnie. <laughs> play on a console? How dare. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I, sorry. I don't sorry. play I don't play that game on a console. <laughs> Not a freaking peasant for crying out loud. Perhaps the leak that has provoked the most interest and surprise among consumer audiences, though, is the confirmation of the development budgets for Sony's major first-party titles, with both Horizon Forbidden West and The Last of Us Part II confirmed to have cost more than $200 million to develop. For reference, Horizon Forbidden West has sold about 8.4 million copies, and The Last of Us Part II has shifted over 10 million. For Sony, both of these games are profitable. For any other publisher, turning a profit from these games would have been a lot harder, because the economics of being a platform holder with a significant first-party software lineup are somewhat unique. With the exception of the percentage earned by retailers for physical copies of these games, Sony gets to keep all the money from first-party titles, meaning that its own games can justify very large budgets more easily easily as they generate more revenue per unit sold. Other publishers generally don't have that luxury. Their options are either to rein in their development budgets and risk not being able to keep up with the expectations of their consumers, to adopt more aggressive monetization strategies, or to link up with a platform holder in an exclusivity deal that allows them to tap into the economic advantages usually reserved for first-party games. That last part is crucial because so much of the discussion around the FTC case and the Activision Blizzard acquisition in general is to do with the question of platform exclusives. Satya Nadella says he doesn't like them at all, which is pretty much what anyone would say when they're competing with a rival that spent 15 years building up a world-class first-party studio system while you twiddled your thumbs and then whipped out your checkbook at the last minute to try to make up for it. Shots fired. (laughs) Yeah, well. (laughs) The question is, why would a company with a major title sign up to limit its potential audience to one platform? All right, let's say you're Square Enix, Squeenix, and you're developing Final Fantasy 16 at immense costs, likely not dissimilar to the numbers cited for Sony's first-party games. By becoming a PlayStation exclusive, Final Fantasy 16 more or less ends up having the economic advantages of a first-party title. Sony has most likely waived most, if not all, of its platform fee for the game, so every unit sold is more profitable to Square Enix. It has also almost certainly absorbed some of the marketing costs for the game by rolling it into the platform's marketing strategy and budget, significantly reducing Square Enix spend on the marketing side. These things are much more important than any subsidizing of development costs that may have been a part of the deal, and certainly more important than the oft-cited savings from shifting to single-platform development, which are fairly marginal. On many levels, exclusivity is anti-consumer. Denying a whole swath of customers access to a third-party game for solely business and competition-related reasons. Yet at the same time, exclusivity is currently the best way for companies to maximize their income from actual sales of the game, reducing or entirely eliminating the need to rely on post-launch revenue to make back its costs. The incentive waxes and wanes depending on the competitive landscape between consoles. Publishers must balance the 
number of sales they'll lose through going exclusive against the increased revenue per unit on the remaining sales, an equation that is very sensitive to the install bases and demographic profiles of various consoles. For now, though, exclusivity is a powerful economic tool for the few games that have the option open to them. And as part of the development budget continues to creep upwards, the lure of such deals for third-party publishers is only likely to increase. I think this brings up an interesting point about this idea of what the future landscape of games will be, right? Uh, exclusivity has some, been something that has always been around. So it's not that this is something new that all of a sudden developers are going, aha, more, I could trade less for this game. <laughs> <laughs> but I think one of the differences is that now in order to develop a game, the cost per man hour is extremely high compared to what was being released on Super Nintendo at Genesis at the time. Right. And if we look at it, yes, marginally, you're going to make up some of that money because you're going to sell a heck of a lot more units than you were on those two consoles in the past. But the biggest thing that, that comes to mind with that is that probably a, the largest chunk of that is the marketing budget. If you look at the budget for movies, for example, the actual filming and the paying of actors is typically less than 50% of the budget that goes into creating a movie. The other 50% is marketing. And I can see personally why a company would be like, huh, Big Daddy is going to take care of the marketing for me so I don't have to pay for that. Right. And all of a sudden, they're going to have so much more money in their pocket to play with. So it comes to a point is, are games becoming too advanced that they're too expensive to develop outside of being a first-party game or an exclusive and I'm afraid that that might be what comes to pass. And it becomes basically a natural monopoly because of the cost that goes into making some of these games. That's a scary prospect for us as consumers. And the one thing, though, that sticks out to me is that almost all of these games eventually find their way to PC. So as a PC player, all you got to do is just be a little bit just patient. A little patient. Yeah. Just a little patient. <laughs> <laughs> And you'll be able to access this stuff. But if you really want to shell out the cash and get it day one, you might have to buy two consoles. And it sucks for somebody who can't afford it. Well, and it also sucks for that exclusivity deal because mm -hmm. for, for people who have chosen a side in the console, in the console wars, I've chosen an Xbox or I've chosen a, a PlayStation, and mm -hmm. you release on the console that I don't have, yeah, you're definitely not playing that game for at least a couple of years unless you want to fork out the money for the other console. And that's how we did it back in the day. We liked it. We loved it. We didn't <laughs> love it. We didn't love it, but we dealt with it. Yeah, unless you were one of those rich kids whose parents bought you both Nintendo and Sega. Ryan. I did not have both Nintendo <laughs> and Sega. Thank you very little. And to, to that point, when that happens also with exclusivity, short-term gains come into play, right? Budget's not as much. Don't have to shell out for marketing, all that kind of stuff. But the problem is that you also negate a potential player base, somebody who's going to buy your games in the future. Because people who play Gran Turismo, for example, right? Mm -hmm. uh, they're on PlayStation. They, they like that game. They play it. But nobody who's on Xbox is playing that. They're playing Forza. Right. Those are both examples of games that, that fit that mold. But not every genre is going to be on every single console. There isn't always a Forza to Gran Turismo. Uh, are you sure about that? Well, like Final Fantasy 15. What's the equivalent on Xbox? 
Fable? The next uh, Fable game? <laughs> well, yeah, I, I, honestly, I could, uh, and the, yeah, I could care less about RPGs, but I, I get your point with that. So yeah, now you're not choosing a console because you want to play the games. You just be like, I know that that console is going to have my genre. That's that's been Microsoft's strategy with Xbox for a, a long time. You know, it was the shooter racer sports console. And that, that has changed, but. Because yeah, now they got space. And we got space. <laughs> we got Skyrim in space. <laughs> and, and quite honestly, when, when I mean, there are just a ton, a ton of RPGs out there. There are a ton of platformers. There are a ton of race. It's just a, there's so many options out there. Does it really even matter if this if, if Xbox doesn't have a rival for Final Fantasy? It matters yes to no. Final Fantasy fans. Yeah, that's it. Is yeah, if you're if you're but if you're a Final Fantasy fan, chances are you're a PlayStation fan. You have been since yeah, PS One. But to look right. at the look at the look at the popularity of Final Fantasy in recent years, has it really kept up? No, and sixteen is so meant to change that. But I, it doesn't mean that it's not still an, an important segment of the gamer market. It's like all this foo-fra over the Call of Duty exclusivity. As somebody who doesn't play shooters, I could give a rat's ass. If it's exclusive or not. <laughs> Donnie, you play on PC, so you could give yeah. a rat's ass either. Yeah, I don't the point give is, a damn. The point is, is if you can play the games you enjoy, you don't care about exclusives. As long as you have access to the games you enjoy. Absolutely. And Ryan's point being that when everything becomes much more divisive, almost veering on monopoly territory, the odds increase that you may at some point not have access to a game that you enjoy. There will be alternatives, but it really is only something people argue over with the biggest of the big AAA titles. But I think Sony's approach is going to win out long term over Xbox's approach of buying studios. Part of the news that came out this week from the FTC trial is how many studios Microsoft has tried to buy and it's fallen through. Like they wanted to buy Bungie and they couldn't and they wanted to buy Sega and Sega says we're not for sale now. And they wanted to buy Supergiant Games and they wanted to buy Niantic and they wanted to buy Zynga and, and several other smaller studios. Like the whole thing was spending them out of business and eventually that's not going to work anymore. And so... Whoever can come up with the most gotta play AAA games will win that war. But is it the only way to win the quote unquote console wars? I guess we'll find out. And asking to buy Bungie is like asking an ex girlfriend from 30 years ago if they want to go out on a date again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know it ended really badly and I cheated yeah. on you. <laughs> but hey, let's give us another go. I'm a new person now. It's fine. So is, is the other way around making it so that every console can't have exclusive games. That's not the solution either. No, because that, that effectively kills the, the need for multiple consoles, doesn't it? That's it does. What we were just making fun of Stadia for earlier, right? A few minutes yeah. ago. This was your exclusive guilt? So at the end of the day, that makes me worried for what the future of game. I mean, we've been talking about this for forever, is that the future of games doesn't look <laughs> that promising because of the economics of it. They're in the, in the business to make money. They got to make enough, a lot of money so they can release another game. They got to make another, enough money from that game to release another game. And if that's not happening, all these studios disappear and then the ex-boyfriend nuzzles up and says, hey, notice your <laughs> I mean, the alternative is let's just learn to make games with less money. You can't spend 200 million 
on every game, or if you can't, you have to learn to make great games with less money. I mean, that's kind of what's been happening, I think, a little bit in Hollywood, or, or we're hoping would happen anyway, is that as the popularity of these gazillion dollar superhero movies has waned as people have gotten kind of tired of them, there's still a place for those smaller indie films that can still be really entertaining and really well done and still make mm-hmm. money, but for much less cost. Of course. And th- there's obvious parallels with the video game industry there. I think you could start with video games by stop asking celebrities to do voiceovers. <laughs> I'm sorry. You got a point with that. You're paying millions of dollars for Keanu Reeves to. Are you? Whoa. Probably yeah, I Keanu. So, yeah. I mean, everybody loves Keanu. Well, depending on how many voice actors you have for the game as well. And to your point, with reducing the cost of games, that goes back into what we talked about uh, an episode ago or two episodes ago with games taking much longer to mm-hmm. be created or to be developed. Mm-hmm. So if you want to do more with less, then it's definitely going to take more time, especially if you don't want to run your developers into the ground, your artists and all that stuff, and and tell them that they have to work 40-hour days. Now, I know the math doesn't add up there, but 40 <laughs> hours, you know, you're working a 40-hour day and you don't get to see your family and all that stuff, and we got to push you until this game is out. It's multitasking, Danny, multitasking. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, eventually something like that is going to have to happen, right? Yes. Because we're either going to get one new video game a year or we're just going to have to learn to make games cheaper and faster. Or put an Xbox in every household. Well, that's Give fine, but what free. are you going to play on them? Huh. <laughs> but if you gave them all away for free, everybody would have one, so they'd have to buy games for it, right? No. <laughs> it's I'm like the saying. phone book they keep dropping off on your doorstep. You don't have to use it just because they gave it to you. <laughs> you just compared an Xbox to a phone book. <laughs> I'm just saying, <laughs> just because it's free doesn't mean you're going to use it. Xbox is going down. You heard it here. They're just like the phone book. Okay, on Twitter at Riders You, let me have it. <laughs> Not afraid of you. All right, before we move on, let's take a quick break to talk about our sponsor. This segment is proudly sponsored by the Letus Podcast. It's a show where three friends and occasional guests play games about video games, including trivia, game show games, and more. Here is this week's trivia question. Okay, all you retro gamers, here's one for you. Which two franchises use vehicles with G diffusers? Tune into the Leadist Podcast what? this Wednesday to hear the answer. You can find the Leadist on your favorite podcast platform, and we'll also have their links in the show notes. So uh, my first response was, I'd say it was Snoop Dogg's Crafty World, but then it would be a <laughs> double G uh, diffuser. Snoop D a double G. <laughs> <laughs> so do you guys have any idea? Can you name at least one? I don't know. I've got no freaking clue. What's a G diffuser? Gravity diffuser, so something. Gravity, I'm thinking is anti-grav, like a space game, maybe with redacted. Maybe I don't know. It's an excellent guess. I think you were on the right path. Redacted. Very good. Oh, okay. Hmm. And the other one is a space game. Uh, Notice how he said this one's for retro gamers. Uh, Redacted. Very good. Two for two. Two for two. (sighs) (laughs) (laughs) And the crowd goes wild. 
All right, fellow kids, make sure you have just the right amount of slap bracelets on your wrist. You have all of your pogs with you in case that chode from biology wants to challenge you. And make sure your dino bike has air in the tires, because where we're going, you'll definitely need them. This is the Retro Rewind for July 1995. Let's take a look at the top Billboard songs and their artists for this month. Don't go chasing waterfalls uh-huh. by TLC. That was an interesting groan there. Yeah, Blue just nutted. <laughs> no! <laughs> I hate that song. It's a fine song, but it was played so much. Uh, do you prefer Weird Al's rendition of Don't Go Making Phony Calls? Uh, no, not really. You probably never heard of that one. Okay. I hadn't actually until this moment. <laughs> Give it a listen. One More Chance by the Notorious B.I.G. Don't Take It Personal by Monica. Water Runs Dry by Boys to Men. Total Eclipse of the Heart by Nikki <laughs> French. Scream slash Childhood by Michael and Janet Jackson. Have You Ever Really Loved a Woman by Brian Adams. I Can Love You Like That by All For One. I can love you like that. <laughs> I can give you my world. I remember Heaven and I. standing up against the wall, watching everybody else dance to that song. Oh, <laughs> No dance for Donnie G. No dance for Donnie G. They call me Mr. Boombastic, Shaggy Fantastic, <laughs> Boombastic by Shaggy, and Run Around by Blues Traveler. Hot on your television sets was ER, Seinfeld, Friends, Caroline in the City, The Single Guy, Home Improvement, NYPD Blue, Fraser, Grace Under Fire, and Coach. Definitely some quality 90s entertainment right there. And then Patrick grew up <laughs> to, to star on SpongeBob. Huh? What? The the doofus guy from Coach. He's the voice of SpongeBob or Patrick from SpongeBob. Is he really? Yeah. Oh crap. <laughs> <laughs> the things you don't know. <laughs> Hot at the theaters this month was Apollo 13. I still have never seen that movie. Really? Oh my yeah. gosh, it's so good. I begged my parents to take me to see it. And it's as good as you say? Yeah. Oh, it's a fantastic movie. Yeah, it's really good. I mean, Tom Hanks, Kevin Bacon, Bill Paxton? Yep. You got to see it. That's a dream team. Okay. Pocahontas, Species, Batman Forever, <laughs> <laughs> Nine Months, Under Siege 2, which I'd probably watch over Batman Forever. First Night, Clueless, The Indian in the Cupboard, and Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Yes, they actually made a movie about that back in 1995. And they made a game about the movie. Mighty Morphin Power <laughs> Rangers, the movie, the game? Yes. <laughs> Just like Street Fighter. <laughs> Silence of the Lambs, the movie, the game. <laughs> <laughs> Where you play as Buffalo Bill. 
Yes. <laughs> and you got to stock the girls and shove them in your van. You got to collect the parts for the, for the suit. And then between levels, the little bonus game is you dancing. <laughs> and the, the oh sequel God. to that, instead of Stray, it's the dog. You got to play as, <laughs> as the dog. The Precious. <laughs> Hot at the arcades this month? Well, there's only one game on the docket, and that's Mortal Kombat 3. Everybody and their grandmother was in there playing this game. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I remember waiting in line behind a couple of grandmas. (laughs) With their wheelchairs and their oxygen tanks? (laughs) Yep. Grandma pulls off a finishing move like, take that, Edith! (laughs) (laughs) Suck it, Edith! Edith kicks her walker out of the way. (laughs) I remember when arcade games cost a nickel. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you've fallen and you can't get up. Bitch. All right, let's take a look for a, at, at an article from one of our readers here. And Mr. X from Portland, Oregon says, Readers offers biting insight into the gaming world. Yes, kiddies, the new generation of game systems is coming. With them comes the avalanche of games that will no doubt roll into stores like so many leaves from the trees. Are we really prepared for all of this? I think not. (laughs) Think about a few things. Think about all of the 16-bit cards that you already own. Think about all the time you spent waiting for that special game to hit the stores after you saw pictures of it in a gaming mag. Think about all that money you've spent over the past few years. That's right. Just sit there and think about it. You'd better think really hard because all of it's going to start all over again. Can you handle it? All of that crud you've gone through, the waiting, the hours in front of the tube, the money, the fact that you have to be the first one to own a certain game, everything. Kind of makes you wonder what the heck it's all about, huh? Yeah, go ahead and think for a while. You can start reading this again when you're done. Back so soon? Good. Now, the really good stuff. The marketing by the gaming companies trying to convince you that the slap they're handing you is going to make your hair turn white with pure adrenaline-pumping excitement. They try to make you believe that their game or game system will take you to the verge of some kind of transcendent, transcendental awakening. You remember these guys, you know, the ones who target boys ages 10 to 17 with loud music and morons who scream at you from your television about how many bits they have, blast processors, special chips, how to do math, how your parents are idiots and how you've how you're an idiot for buying someone else's system. Think about it. Are you ready for this again? Yet you keep on buying. Why? Well, because in the scheme of things, it just goes to show how much junk you'll go through just to escape reality for a few lousy minutes and have some fun. That's all you really want. Not the fat kid in the ad screaming in your face. You're not interested in bits, (laughs) processors, polygons, or sprites. You're after fun. That tiny little bit of happiness that stretches a smile across your trembling little mouth the second you stick that new cartridge into that machine. Fun. You remember that, don't you? Wait. So, do we buy the new games or not? (laughs) Tell me, I need a f***ing answer. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry, I'm, I'm real dumb, apparently. What the fuck is this guy's point? Exactly. That's that's exactly what I'm saying. This guy has no point. He's being about the advertisements. I think he's being about the 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 uh, the amount of games, the amount of advertising that they're shoving down your throat because you feel like you've got to have this new game. You've got to be the first on the block to play it. You've got to be able to tell all your friends about it. Ah, oh, guess what? Here comes the next one. Okay, but, but you're you're telling you're saying that you're after fun. But in order to have fun, we've got to kind of take the good with the bad here. Right. And you're saying that in a gaming magazine that people voluntarily went out to buy because they're interested in such products. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a reason why he kept himself anonymous here. Probably. Yeah. Good on you, buddy. 
In the video game news, the Saturn has arrived on the scene first ahead of the Ultra 64 and the Sony PlayStation with a price tag of $399 to $499. By Christmas, Sega expects to release 600,000 units in the U.S. Projected sales within the first three years are 6 million units. Sony has announced that the PlayStation will be available in September at a price of $299. 20 titles are expected at launch with 50 expected by Christmas. The Ultra 64 has been delayed until spring of 1996. Sega was quick to pounce on the news, saying the consumer is dying for a new experience now. They are not going to wait another year. Literally. They are not going to wait another year. Sega, you've kept us waiting for quite some time. (laughs) Dottie's still waiting. (laughs) Still waiting. Nintendo and game developer Rare sign a deal worth more than $25 million, which will keep Rare developing titles solely for the Nintendo family of systems for the next several years. Exclusivity! Exclusivity! (laughs) Nintendo and Samsung Electronics have settled their lawsuit over copyright and trademark violations. Nintendo originally accused Samsung of contributing ROM chips to counterfeit Donkey Kong Country cards. Samsung denied the allegations and retaliated with a defamation lawsuit. As part of the settlement, Nintendo acknowledged that Samsung was not the source of the software used in the pirated games. Oops. <laughs> and Samsung included Nintendo in its screening process, which detects counterfeit software. Nintendo was also paraded through Samsung headquarters where everyone laughed at them and threw mushrooms at them. <laughs> <laughs> Time is running out to enter this year's Blockbuster World Video Game Championship 2. Registration runs through June 25th at more than 3,000 Blockbuster stores in North America, Australia, and South America. In-store competition will take place July 9th, and winners of each store will score a card worth a year's free of game rentals. Spoiler alert, that game will never be in stock to rent. (laughs) (laughs) How did Blockbuster this month on the Super Nintendo are Judge Dredd, Justice League of America, NBA Jam Tournament Edition, Stargate, Kyle Petty's No Fear Racing, man. Donkey Kong Country. (laughs) Cousin Lauren's a big fan of that one. (laughs) Yes, he is. We had number one game on Super Nintendo. Metal Warriors, Spider-Man, Warlock, and Bust a Move. On the Genesis, Judge Dredd, Justice League of America, NBA Jam Tournament Edition, World Series Baseball 95, Road Rash 3, Barkley Shut Up and Jam 2, Uh Spider-Man, Warlock, and one nobody ever would have guessed in a million years, TNN Bass Tournament of Champions. <laughs> well, it's my goat, man. <laughs> Cousin Lawrence is also a big fan of that one. <laughs> Games released this month on the PlayStation were Air Combat and Ark the Lad. For the Game Boy, we have Animaniacs and Donkey Kong Land. On the Genesis was College Football USA, actually released on my birthday this month. For the Super Nintendo, we have Dragon, the Bruce Lee story, Indiana Jones, Greatest Adventures, Wild Guns, and Mega Man X2. For the Virtual Boy, we have Galactic Pinball, Panic Bomber, Tellero, 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 Boxer, Tellero, Tellero, Boxer for the Virtual Boy. Primer, I said primary, Primer Rage, Primer, Primer, Primal, Jesus. It's a painting game where you're really mad. You're the opposite of Bob Ross. <laughs> Primal Rage for the Super Nintendo. Angry Clouds. 
<laughs> for the Super Nintendo and the Sega Genesis and Virtual Fighter for the Saturn. <laughs> it's damn words in the English language and everything. <laughs> Okay, kids, thanks for hanging out with me this evening. This concludes our retro rewind for this month. I gotta go. I just saw a white Bronco driving down the street and a helicopter following it with people yelling, juice, juice, juice. Is there a new drink coming out I'm not aware of? (laughs) (laughs) Chase the Bronco, Donnie, chase it. (laughs) Get back here! And by the way, I will bet $100 that Mr. X from our gaming article has a podcast nowadays called something like Gaming Nihilist. I will put 100 bucks on it. Oh, let's track him down. (laughs) Probably. All right, let's go ahead and wrap up the show. Thank you for listening to episode 80 of Gamers Week podcast. And a big thank you to the Retro Game Club podcast, the Leadist podcast, and Love Retro BTW for sponsoring this episode. Don't forget to check out their links in the show notes. If you want to connect with Gamers Week, follow us on Twitter at GamersWeekPC. Email us at GamersWeekPodcast at gmail.com. Watch us on Twitch at twitch.tv slash GamersWeekPodcast. Visit our merch store at gamers-week-podcast.creator-spring.com. Or if you want to do it the easy way, follow the link in the show notes. Join us on Patreon at patreon.com slash GamersWeek. And finally, since you made it all the way to the end of this episode, please leave us a rating and a review to let us know how we did. We really do value your feedback. And while you're there, consider subscribing on iTunes, Spotify, or your podcast platform of choice. Hey, Donnie, what's that game called again? Telero Boxing? I think I got it there. The other one. Prep. Prime. 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 Primal, pr- 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 Somebody primary, hit him on the head. He's stuck. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Mac heads room. Primal rage, <laughs> or the excited southerner. Like what? Primal. I'll just come back later. <laughs> All right. Good night, everybody. <laughs> Good night. Good night, Ned. So I tied a dongle to my belt, which was a style at the time. Welcome to Gamers Week Uncut. Welcome to Gamers Week Uncut. Welcome to Gamers Week Uncut, patrons with benefits. This is the unscripted patron-only bonus cast with less editing and more dirty jokes. We don't know where the conversation will go, but we're sure it will be weird. This fish just went right on my nipple. And I'm just like, I Google Street Fighter 6, the first search result that comes up is people think they can see reused in the Street Fighter 6 reveal. <laughs> Listen up here, kids. You're not going to want to get one of those VDSTDs things, right? Make your fall off. When you go, grab a pro. You'll be doing it for America. That was perfect. <laughs> If you want to hear weekly episodes of our patron-only bonus cast, join us at patreon.com slash gamersweek. 